So uh, I'm going to segue now into our left, left or leftist panel. And uh, no strangers to the show, we've got uh, David Slavic, who is uh, a self-described recovering DC political consultant and also host of his own pod- podcast, The Popular Show. And Alex Grant, editor of Fight Back magazine and also, of course, involved uh, with Fight Back, the organization, uh, Marxist.ca. So welcome both to uh, The Radical Reverend Show. Hey, Sherry. It's a pleasure. Great to have you both back. So we're going to jump right in on on the police issue. Um, So as you both know, uh, in Toronto, uh, City Council tried to defund in the the height of the the demonstrations for Black Lives Matter some months back, uh, tried to defund the police by 10% and didn't get that through. In fact, City Council ended up giving the police more money for body cameras. Um, and the Ontario government, of course, has given more money to the police since they've been elected as well. So we seem, uh, in this jurisdiction anyway, to be countering the trend of defunding the police. In fact, going in the opposite direction. Um, so Alex, I'm going like, to start with you. I, why? What? You know? And, and also, um, let's start talking about you know, reform versus abolition. Alex. Yeah. Well... You're seeing this big contradiction between opinions in the population, which is increasingly understanding the reactionary role of the police and the actions of politicians, of capitalist politicians in capitalist parliaments, because capitalism needs the police. Capitalism needs the police. But yeah, people are seeing sort of like disgusting events like in the United States, like in Malton, um, and the impunity of the police. Actually, I I recently read a story about Toronto police were caught lying under oath about planting drugs on uh, on, on um, uh, somebody they arrested. And, And they did so in the most comic manner that they deliberately searched for this guy and did an illegal search of his car. And then they planted $50,000 worth of heroin on his dashboard and said that was the uh, the justification for their illegal search. Like, like this guy would just leave $50,000 of heroin lying around. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and they were just found to be lying. And, uh, and, that's typical. And more and more people are seeing that. In fact, they're complaining there's a crisis of morale amongst the police because they're not being able to get away with lying anymore. I'll let uh, David speak, but before I get into reform versus abolition. I just wanted so it's it's really interesting that this, um, so this $50,000, this was in Peterborough, and this was uh, of what they call blue heroin. Blue heroin is uh, uh, a new drug that's hit the street that's essentially fentanyl with some sort of... Uh, it's a skeleton, I think, or it's, I can't pronounce it right, but it's a, it's a, a, a benzodiazepine as well. And it's, it's very dangerous. Right. But it's uh it's interesting that they, that they use this sort of new drug as the, this new sort of hot and dangerous drug to, you know, justify that because it really does justify these new scares always do justify new police powers and new police funding. So it's really almost symbolic that they use this particular drug in this instance. 
we were just going to get into the abolition versus reform because, you know, I mean, you know, we had a black police chief, I mean, certainly in the United States. And uh, David, when I get back to you, you can weigh in on this. But, you know, a lot of the police forces in the, in the big city centers are mostly, you know, uh, African-American. Um, uh, and uh, and so we've got that. Um uh, we are, you know, certainly as some jurisdictions in the states have been looking at, you know, peeling away mental health calls. I mean, there's a pilot project even in Toronto on that. Um, will any of this work, Alex? Well, yes and no, in a way uh, that no, no, it won't work. But yes, uh, I, I do support anybody fighting for uh, moving services away from police that to de-police uh, mental health calls and, and, and other such uh, a crisis response. And people fighting for that, and the people in Moulton absolutely fighting against police violence, that you've got to build a movement in that. But at the end of the day, the police defend capitalism. You know, they say property is nine-tenths of the law. That means that 90% of policing is defending those with property against those with none. And that's what policing is. It doesn't matter if you have black police chiefs or black police officers, you have all of the sort of uh, anti-racism training in the world. It's not going to change the nature of the institution. And, and that's why the, the movement to uh, defund, abolish police really needs to understand, it's not just abolish police, it's abolish capitalism. And, and then build a society where we don't need this police that is uh, defending those of property from the majority of the population. And, and so, so really, I'd like to put in an anti-capitalist perspective. You can't just say abolish police on its own without seeing the social question. Uh, and just before I go to David, I mean, you know, we, we look at the kind of etiology of the police. Police forces both uh, on both sides of the border, you know, uh, catching runaway slaves south of the border and, and mm -hmm. up here too. Um, but more to the point, the RCMP being set up uh, really to police Indigenous. Um, that's That that was their original role. Um, so David, abolish or reform? Any of this going to work? I was on this show not too long ago with my good friend, Andre Demise. And uh, I always find myself the incrementalist on this show. Now I, I am actually for abolishing the police. I think that in, in the long run, I think it's the way to go. I think that um, prisons need to be abolished. I think that we need to, to reform how we think about ourselves as a people and how we treat each other, even those who may be acting what we call out of the order. Uh, but we, we do need to, to do those steps in, in time. Um, I think what you're getting at is correct, that systematically police will always be required in a capitalist system. As we move towards a, like an ever increasing socialist or social democracy, I think we, we could actually make those things happen uh, more quickly. So it's, you could abolish the police more quickly as you abolish capitalism more quickly. Well, agreement. Wonderful. Um, so, uh, so another piece of news, um, and, and, and you know, I'll be up front with you out there uh, in listener land. And we're talking to David Slavik here and Alex Grant, both 
no strangers to the Radical Reverend Show, um, our left, left, or leftist panel here today. Um, and uh, you know, Prince Philip just died, and we were going to talk about, you know, talking about abolition, um, ab abolishing the crown, and then it felt kind of uh, weird, like, because, you know... Uh, you know, here's a death, here's a person, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, to the, to, to that, David uh, jumped in and said, perfect time to talk about abolishing the crown. Uh, so, so David, take it away. Uh, let's so, talk about the crown. I, I think it's very, it's interesting. Um, I, I sort of straddle many worlds here. I, I'm on a, 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 a podcast called The Popular Show with, with two uh, great English professors from uh, Royal Holloway University. Um, I'm an American living in Canada. I'm living in Newfoundland, which is, has a newer, uh, even sort of uh, more recent colonial roots. So, you know, we, I kind of feel the, the crown sort of around me, both of my, my children are subjects to the queen, if you will. Um, and I, I think one of the interesting things about Canada is that in some ways, and this is a good friend of mine, Andrew Young, who's a PhD student at university of Toronto, he believes in uh, sort of a, a, a Hegelian sense that Canada is more of a country than the United States because it has a queen and it can vest its power into queen in some way. It provides a legitimacy. I think that we can move away from that. I think the people are the legitimacy. I think that the, the First Nations are the legitimacy. I think the land is the legitimacy. Um, and I, I think we should, we should move into the 21st century and, and abolish the crown. Alex, you are a Brit. <laughs> yes. Weigh in. Uh, well, Let's look at this. There is this reticence to talk about abolishing the monarchy when Prince Philip has died. But the reality is, one is a political constitutional question and the other is a personal issue. And the two should not be related. And people's emotions are being manipulated because of that. So, like, oh, no, you can't talk about these questions because a, a man died. And, and, and we've got wall-to-wall -wall coverage on the CBC. So like monarchy, 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 great man, great man, all uh, public service, all the rest of it. Um, and, and, and maybe, you know, I, I could tell a lot of stories about Prince Philip, but I'm going to talk about the institution. That the reality is this is a racist colonial institution. It all came out with uh, Meghan Markle and, and it isn't unimportant. The majority of Canadians oppose the monarchy. But they oppose the monarchy in kind of a laid back, so like, well, I don't see the purpose kind of way. And the reality is, it's actually really, really important. It's really important because elections, you think that elections decide the government. They don't. The party that gets the most seats then goes to the representative of the queen and asks, can I form a government? And it is entirely constitutional for the governor general in Canada or the queen in Britain to say no. Yeah, I have to, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, well, you know, it's at this point, it's just a formality. Um, you know, they, they don't really do anything about it. Uh, you know, they respect the will of the people. I watched the crown, you know, I saw someone who seemed to respect the will of the people, despite having differences. What do you say to that? It happened in Australia in the 1970s. Yeah. So if you had... Well, the CIA a, was involved with that, too, actually. Of course. <laughs> of course. And actually, there's a, very, there's a great movie called A Very British Coup uh, that outlines a process of how this could happen, of a, a real socialist 
Labour Party leader. Yeah. Uh, the story about that and how, how the monarchy just uh, undermined it. It's an important part of the capitalist establishment. It's like a last bastion against socialism. And that's why it is very politically important to eradicate the monarchy. Mm-hmm. So, because otherwise you could win an election, you know, uh, Sherry Novo, uh, Nikki Ashton, uh, and myself <laughs> in an NDP socialist cabinet, dream. Right? Uh, win win election democratically, and then we and then we move uh, the nationalisation of the commanding heights of the economy, and the governor general says no. Um, you're all fired, and and I'm going to get um, you know uh, Bob Ray to, to to lead things all over again. You know, <laughs> and then and then she throws a stapler at you. Yeah, <laughs> isn't the monarchy just entertainment? Really, I mean, look at the money that it makes. I, I mean, I think the, you know the argument that I've heard is look at the money it brings into Britain. I mean, everybody's just fascinated. Like it's just it's kind of Hollywood, isn't it? Just Hollywood. Now, I yes, um, you're you've made good points, Alex. But to David's point, I mean, really, would they really ever do that? And would if they tried to, would anybody take them seriously? Because they know that that would be the end of the monarchy. I doubt that they would actually do that. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I, I came from a kind of a you know Fabian socialist English background on my mother's side, and my grandmother would still insist that we listen to the Queen's address on Christmas Day, and she would say things like, "What a lovely woman," you know. I mean, like even though she considered herself a socialist, is so bizarre. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's this fascination, isn't it? Just Hollywood. <laughs> no, no, it it is a last bastion of support for the establishment and of course and that is why the royalty needs to stay out of politics so that it can be seen as this magical thing like badge hot uh, who wrote the sort of definitive work on the royalty is that you sh- says that you shouldn't look too closely at the magic right uh, but it is the last bastion of the establishment and is used against socialists like jeremy corbyn was attacked for not being sufficiently royalist enough, mm. for not uh, uh, ducking and bowing and curtsying and uh, and doing all of the obsequious uh, stuff to the royalty, because it's politically very important, uh, and and that is a warning to us in Canada that the, the, this the soldiers they don't uh, pledge allegiance allegiance to Canada. They don't pledge to allegiance to the country, the people, the constitution. No, it's the queen. And 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 this could be used in a coup, an entirely constitutional coup. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't say her Canadian service on the side. You know, exactly. I mean, they say her Majesty's service. It's true, and uh, that that does have a, uh, an impact. I think you know. I think like the interesting thing is. Um, I was listening not too long ago. There was a discussion after the uh, royal interview with Oprah, and there was a call-in show. It was Ian, Ian Hannah Mansing's show on, on CBC. And it was very fascinating to see who called in in support of the monarchy and who didn't. I was shocked that many people who are new immigrants to Canada, who are former colonial subjects, like from India and from the Caribbean, were far more supportive 
of at least the callers. This is a representative sample. You know, these are the yeah. people who call in. Well, the Barbados just removed them. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But it was very fascinating to see this sort of strange Canadian politics arise because new, and I'm a new immigrant to, to Canada. I'm very proud to be here. I, I'm actually probably more gung-ho Canadian than anyone here. But <laughs> but uh, what, what I would say is that I thought it was fascinating to see that because it was something that they had identified as part of being Canadian. Another thing I saw, and this was less endearing, was I saw young people call in and say, but we couldn't. That's how our constitution is based. And I thought, what are we doing to our kids that they think you can't do it? Yeah. Odd. Okay. Well, uh, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show if you've just tuned in on podcast or on the radio. And uh, we have our left, left, or leftist panel today, David Slavic, Alex Grant. Um, and as you heard, just talking about the crown, let's let's shift a little here. Um, today in Ontario, and David, you are, you don't like, you're just, you're off there in Newfoundland, you lucky person. Uh, today in Ontario, 4,277 case new cases of covid we've been averaging around the 3000 mark this is just outrageous um uh, third wave you know in in neon here um uh, you know, our, our icus our er's are filled with covid patients they're they're shifting them all over the province our schools are dangerous some 1569 schools shut down um uh and, and and so here here we have a government that can't admit that they've failed. Doug Ford's um, uh, this blame to go around there. Um, you know what? Sh- I guess this is a shoulda coulda game. But but Alex is going to go to you. What shoulda happened? What you know? Why are we here? This is totally scandalous and totally predictable. All of the scientists were saying when when uh, the we reopened a month or so ago that oh now you create you're making a third wave wave inevitable. And the government was just going profits, 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 and no paid sick leave. Profits, profits. And, and you saw horrendous, what, 700 cases at the Amazon warehouse. Uh, the bus driver who drove those workers to and from the Amazon warehouse, he died. Right? So that there's nurses dying. The new variants are killing people much younger now much sicker, much younger uh, workers, and the overwhelming majority of outbreaks are in workplaces. That is on the government and that is on corporate profiteering. And it, it, this is scandalous. And, uh, and, we, and we need, you know, uh, we really do need to rise up against this government and, uh, uh, and, and make sure that uh, the unions and workers take control over health and safety because the corporations, the government don't care. Okay, so I, just before I go to David, and, I, and I'm going to, um, uh, so I, I've had unionists on the show who say, because I've asked them, so you know, when, if this isn't the case for a general strike or major strikes, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, and the answer is, well, we're not in a legal strike position, and the government could find, could actually put some unions out of business, could actually take them to the courts mm-hmm. and just like bankrupt them. Um, so I'll go to David first. Um, like, so the unions are feeling kind of hamstrung here. Um, uh, it, but, you know, what, you know, what should it could have? Yeah, I think I think the thing that we should have done is that is week two, uh, you know, I think that week one, we, we still were figuring it out. You know, this is last March. And but week two, we saw those case rates go up. We should have said, hey, we're going to pay everybody to stay home. We're going to pay 
the businesses to shut down. We're gonna we're just gonna take rent off for a, a month. You know, just to keep keep things going, it would have been an easy fix. That wouldn't have cost all the the tax revenue that it's cost over the course of the year. This this stopping and starting, uh, it's really interesting because you know, as someone who is is definitely with social leanings, I'm finding myself very sympathetic to businesses here, it, because especially small businesses. And Toronto is full of thriving, wonderful small businesses run by people who come had come to this country to do something, to to enjoy their community, to build their community and i think about all the times they stopped and started different rules setting up patios not being able to use patios all these sorts of things and you you think for a a a premier who's supposed to be business friendly that he could have just made a tough choice and said okay we're going to make this work from the beginning we're going to shut this down and work and work through it there's been none of that. There's been no supports for businesses. The 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 rules have been off and on. I have talked to tens of people in Ontario who have no idea what's closed, what's not closed. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly he's big business oriented, I would say. So you had this kind of weird, uh, you know, big box stores open uh, while small uh, businesses, you know, your mom and pop stores couldn't. I mean, this this was outrageous. And, and clearly, um, you know, you want to look at the donations to the Conservative Party and just see who won, who lost. Yeah, it would be pretty, yeah. uh, you know, apparent, I think, by just doing that. Um, Alex, what about the, the role of small business, though? I'm in favor of giving small business a break from big business. Yeah. That there should be rent forgiveness. There should be an evictions ban, right? There should be you know, things that help small business out from the top down. But at the same time, I don't want small businesses then uh, exploiting downwards and, and beating up on their own workers, right? So I'm in favor of giving them a break from the top down, but... Uh, Workers need to be supported too, and, and and I care more about workers than I care about uh, business uh, of, of any of kind. Uh, as you get get back to the question about unions, there's really a failure of imagination here. So, all right, so you can't. You know, I, I sometimes get accused by uh, uh, more you know, moderate trade union leaders of sort of, oh, you think you can organise a general strike by just clicking your fingers, and of course, no. But there are waves of work refusals. And the actions of the union leaders has, hasn't been to support and encourage those work refusals. It has been to discourage and sheepdog those workers back into unsafe workplaces. So every worker's got the right to refuse unsafe work. And if the unions were doing a campaign of refuse, refuse, if you feel unsafe, you have a right to refuse. The whole system would be paralyzed very quickly, but it's a political campaign. It is a political campaign of political encouragement. Like, um, and, and you could have waves of it. Like I, I've got a, a friend who is a bus driver who refused unsafe work just uh, yesterday. And then of course, uh, Ministry of Labor said, no, it's perfectly safe, even though people have died. And, but it shouldn't just be individuals. We should be encouraged, everybody. And I think the teachers, uh, well, I think the teachers were at the forefront of making Peel, uh, shutting down the Peel schools and putting the pressure there and, and then subsequently in Toronto. So that pressure can matter and that political lead matters. 
Yeah, it's just uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I but I always think this is, you know, well, they might sue us out of existence. I think about the beginning of unions when they were illegal and just going out on strike got everybody arrested. Somehow they still did it. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, we wouldn't have unions if they didn't stand up uh, to legality. You know, so I mean, I, I yeah, it, it, there's there's something very wrong here. Um, I'm certainly hearing from teachers all the time on my Twitter feed who are terrified and frightened to speak out. And I keep telling them you can. But but yeah, again, um, where's the union backing them up um, in this. Uh, okay, uh, well, listen, it's that time. I'm going to have to call it. Um, thank you so much. Been very fast and furious. Uh, left, left, or leftist. We've been talking to David Slavic, been talking to Alex Grant, and I look forward to having you on uh, again next month. Um, and we'll discuss uh, what the topics of the day are then on the Radical Reverend. And to you out there in listener land, please uh, keep your comments coming. I always respond, uh, always interested in what you have to say. And uh, yeah, be safe out there. Take care. Mm-hmm.